and welcome to the Second Tier Podcast. I'm Ryan Dilks and I'm joined by the Grand Canaria to my Munich. It's Justin Peach. Good day to you, Ryan. Justin, you're still on holiday. How's Munich? <laughs> How's Grand Canaria? Um, it's still it's still hot. I'm slightly sunburnt. Um, it's good. It's good. I have to say we're recording this very early. I am absolutely exhausted, so I, I will give that caveat to this episode. And potentially fall asleep halfway through the episode. That may happen. That may happen. I, I, mm. I give myself a 70% chance of that happening. I look forward to it. You'll probably be more entertaining than you usually are. <laughs> uh, welcome to the number one championship-specific podcast, the second tier. Thank you for joining us wherever you are. We're doing a Q&A this Thursday. We're going to go through the questions that you guys have sent in on Twitter with all things to do regarding the championship. Uh, and then we'll play, uh, finish off with a little bit of diddy or didn't he right at the end of the show. So um, before we get underway, let me tell you, listener, about our friends at FansBet, the fan-led sports betting company committed to supporting charities and causes which are important to fans. Do check them out by clicking the link in the description of the podcast and claim your 200% sports deposit bonus of up to 200 Hundred pounds. Terms and restrictions apply. Full details on site. Eighteen plus. Please do gamble responsibly. Visit begambleaware.org for more info. And do also check out Fansbet responsible gambling tools. So we'll kick off with some of the questions, Justin. The first one is this one from Josh Barton. He asks, "Who is your shout for top scorer this season?" Pookie is the obvious choice. So who else? Obviously, Justin. Very early on, there could still mm. be some players who come in in the transfer window who change everything alternatively it could be players who leave and change everything um who are you thinking then as an early shout for top scorer this season i think i'll go straight in with this one i don't think timu puki is the obvious choice mainly because of emmy buendia not being his supplier it's um, that's what that i is, thought that is, that's what i thought yeah. i think when it when the bookies odds been released yet as far as my way they haven't actually been released yet i think puki will be the favorite but I don't think I'd be in a rush to bet on him. Yeah, I know this is a slight sidetrack, but Daniel Farke had a very, um, very obvious system in, in in where he played Buendia just off the right hand side, and Timu Puki would make runs in between the centre half and the full back, um, direct runs in between those um, to allow him to finish. They recruited Puki specifically for that role, and obviously um he's still there but Buendia isn't so I'm sure if they find someone creative they can but I think my shout for top scorer I like the look of Ryan Brewster if he's coming into this season fully fit I think he can do a and I think he can do the damage he's certainly got the potential to do so I would have gone with someone like Antoine Semenya as well but he obviously he's been ruled out for four weeks with a shin injury so he's going to miss the first couple of weeks of the season that might impact things but Ryan Brewster I think yeah is 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 the obvious one for me He's got it all, hasn't he? He can shoot from distance, use both of his feet, and he showed at Swansea how capable he is. Joel Pirro, if he stays at Swansea, is another one. The deadliest finisher in the league at the moment. Now, obviously, Mitrovic and Solanke have left. But, yeah, Joel Pirro has to be up there as well. I think my early shouts, and I'm kind of anticipating one of these two moving to Middlesbrough, would be one of... Dwight Gale or Cameron Archer both have been linked with moves Mm -hmm. to Borough Um, obviously not happened yet so can't really put that down as an answer I suppose I think one player is Daryl DK at West Brom very Mm -hmm. easy to forget that he's actually in the championship because he's been injured for so long and only played the one game for West Brom in his career so far since joining in January but 
if he's fully fit next season and is getting the service from the likes of Swift, uh, Wallace potentially, Mowat, <laughs> then he will be having so many chances. And we saw how many chances West Brom had last season. But just didn't put them away. Yeah. Daryl DK was a deadly finisher in that Barnsley side. His you only have to look at the data side of things to see that was the proof. So, yeah, Daryl DK, if he's fully fit for the majority of next season, then he will score a lot of goals in that West Brom team. Um, another shout for me, more of a long shot, I'd say, is Michael Obafemi at Swansea. Someone, That's a really good point. Yeah, someone I really like the look of in the last couple of months, or the, the latter stages of last season at the very least. Um Still only very young, but if Swansea are going to be this kind of dark horse that we've been bigging them up for this season, Justin, then you'd have thought Michael Obafemi is going to score quite a few goals. Obviously, the caveat is that he's got to share that uh, load with Joel Pirro, but I think Michael Obafemi really impressed me. He's got great pace, he works hard, um, and his finishing was really, really solid. Um, so I think he could be a really, really good shout as a bit of a long shot for top scorer in the championship next season. Um, he's been tipped for big things for quite some time as well, and uh, he's been given that platform at Swansea now. If Swansea are going to have as successful a season as we hope, Justin, then he'll score quite a few goals. Uh, let's go to this one, Justin. This is Daniel Muir, who asks us, out of the three teams relegated from the Premier League, which one do you think is most likely to do a Fulham, and which one is most likely to do a West Brom? What are you thinking, Justin? Yeah, the, the obvious answer for... The West Brom aspect, um, you know, team underperforming greatly is 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 Burnley, and and that's mainly because of the catch up that they've got to play on the other teams. Vincent Company's only just come in; his staff um, hasn't been announced yet. Um, I know there are a lot of fans getting a bit twitchy as to why, you know, a lot of the program hasn't been announced in terms of preseason as well. Um, so the fans aren't are not happy with Company just getting a bit stressed out with the club and that's going to that's going to stem everywhere that's going to be in, in with recruitment as well so if a team's going to underperform it's, it's probably going to be Burnley Watford have that potential mainly because Rob Edwards is a bit of an unknown at this level if he doesn't have the impact early on they could easily drop down the, the, the table um, because they're in that sort of transition period as a club and as a squad um, and that leaves Norwich most likely to do a Fulham probably no one's ever going to do well, it's actually, it would be quite easy to replicate. But in terms of being a free-flowing goal-scoring side, I think Norwich are the most likely team to do that because they've done it before with the same squad. Yeah, they have done it before. My concern is I don't think this Norwich squad is as strong as it was the last time it came down. And there's also the long-standing mystery that needs answering how good a manager is Dean Smith. Because I'm honestly not sure how good a manager he is because every time he's done something good, you can also point at other factors like when he got Villa promoted last time. That Villa squad should have got promoted a long time ago because it was so ridiculously strong. And then when Villa did well in the Premier League, you can also point out the fact that they were one of the highest spending clubs in Europe. So... I'm not really sure how good a manager Dean Smith is. And I think this is going to be the first real season where we see how good he actually is. Um, with regards to the question, there's so many question marks around all three teams who have come down that I'm struggling to put either or any of them in either camp, really. Uh, for mm -hmm. Burnley, my main concern is Vincent Company because he is such an unknown. But you look at the transfer rumours and the players they've been linked with over the past couple of weeks 
they seem to be putting together a rather formidable squad. Having said that, West Brom had a rather formidable squad last <laughs> season and it all just went completely spot, didn't it? So, yeah, I'm not really sure about Burnley. And then for Watford, a lot depends on what happens with Emmanuel Dennis and Ishmael Assar because if they manage to keep those two in the championship, they are two very, very good players to have in the second tier, aren't they? But as you say, there we've got Rob Edwards who... I think, as we were saying earlier in the in the preseason, that that's a big gamble getting him in. But we know what Watford are like; they could easily just sack him after a few months and bring in someone else. So I honestly don't know, and I think it's a really, really bad way of you know sitting on the fence with this question. But I honestly just can't give an answer because I've got just so many question marks over all three. I could easily see any of them doing a Fulham or a West Brom, if you see what I mean, Justin. Yeah. No, I agree exactly. I think a lot. Of the, uh, all three teams are in a very strange period um, after years of ex- not not expectancy, but you know what you're going to get from from each team. Watford are going to sack three managers a season and probably be okay. Burnley going to play four four two, be very direct, not win too many games, but be okay. And um, and Norwich are going to go up and down, and they're going to be okay. But each team now is is in that weird transition period where they have to do something else. They're they're in a position where they have to try something out. Otherwise, they're just going to wilt away into mediocrity, um, which is what no owner wants. Exactly. I think we'll have a clearer picture on that particular question once we get nearer to the season. But Mm -hmm. even then, it may still be a, a coin flip between them all. Matt Piggins has given us this question, asking, with the league looking stronger, in my opinion, than last season, do you think anyone will do a Luton or a Huddersfield next season? And if so, who? I think the obvious answer, if you're going to pin a club who have a small budget, a small squad, and can get a lot out of it, I quite easily see Coventry City doing a fair bit of damage in the Championship next season for half of last season they were playoff contenders before dropping off um, mainly because they were in the top six results were good um, and, and, and form started to tail off and I think that's down to the size of their squad and the size of their budget because they didn't have quite enough quality to replace Matty Godin when he was outside Victor Kyokarez went quiet halfway sort of in the middle period of the season as well um, so yeah I quite easily see Coventry City do it Mark Robbins is an incredibly gifted manager who should have had more opportunities than he's had um, and some of the football played with Coventry as well last season was absolutely superb. And I think if they can add three or four players, three or four really good players to that team, I can quite easily see them being a uh, top six contender. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I've gone for Swansea because, as we say, we've been bigging up as dark horses for quite some time. Um, whether they're kind of in the same bracket as Luton and Huddersfield were <laughs> when uh, in the season prior, I'm not really too sure. But... Um, yeah, I really like the looks of Swansea. Um, we always say you need a reliable source of goals and they look to have two players who can provide that in Michael Abafemi and Joel Pirro. So that's always a very good start. You've got the creativity from Jamie Patterson um, and then they've also got a really, really solid defence. The likes of Harry Darling, for example, who we'll talk about later on in the episode, Justin, I think is a really good signing. Um and Andrew Fisher is a really good goalkeeper as well. But the main thing is Russell Martin in the dugout, who has been a really highly rated manager in his short career so far. Has really impressed people with his style of play and his commitment to trying to play a sexy style of football. Um, and at times, last season in the Championship, it did look a bit like, hmm, 
why are you still pursuing with this when the results aren't going your way? But then over time, I became more and more convinced that he got what he was doing. And as the season went on, I really looked at Swansea and thought, OK, this is a good side. Of course, they need to add players in certain positions. The wing-back areas is one area where I'm looking at them thinking they could do with a couple of players there. Um, and maybe a bit more creativity in midfield as well. But overall, you look at that Swansea side and they don't need much more adding to it to be a really, really good side. So as long as all the players continue to believe in the project that Russell Martin is building, then Swansea should have a really good season next season. KTAFC1201 has a question. He asks, which players do you think will move to a Premier League team this window? Yeah, it's always a difficult one to answer, mainly because all the good players probably already linked. I've seen Isaiah Jones linked with the Premier League club already, and that would, that would be a very obvious shout. Um, but I think if I was a Premier League club, I would be looking at I'd be looking at Championship players with a view to getting them now rather than getting them before they go to their middle club for example so if you look at Crystal Palace who have signed Eberichi Eze, Michael Elise they've signed players who are going to benefit them now and are going to fetch them 40 or 50 million pound fees in three years time when Manchester United decide to get their act in um, in, the, in the transfer market but if I was to pick if I was to pick a couple of players out who I think should get a move to Premier League club Jake Cooper would be one of them at Millwall I think Size-wise, he's he's absolutely ideal and and ready-made for Premier League football. I think at twenty at, at twenty-seven, his time may be ruining out to do that. Um, but I think he'd <clears throat> he'd make every single defence stronger. Um, he's a composed defender, and he's shown that he can be a solid uh, competitor as well at this uh, at this level consistently. There's not a season where I think he's had a poor season while he's been in the Millwall shirt, especially in the Championship. Um, and, and, an obvious one will be Jed Spence as well. He's clearly going to be a Premier League player next season. Um, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Lewis O'Brien step up either. I think there are about 30 players who we could yeah. pick out and say they should be going to a Premier League side, whether they actually do or not, Justin, is, you know, up for debate really, isn't it? Um, Lewis O'Brien was one I thought was guaranteed to be moving to the Premier League this summer, but there doesn't seem to be much reported interest in him. Leeds were linked with him for a long time, but apparently mm-hmm. they've withdrawn their interest, which I found a bit bizarre because I thought he'd be ideal for Leeds, but that doesn't seem to be happening anymore. If it doesn't, then Huddersfield will be absolutely buzzing. Um, then there are other players like Marcus Tavernier. He's been linked with Bournemouth, Hanty, and he's a player who I think could step up to the Prem. Isaiah Jones had such a good season last season. He's been linked with West Ham, so it wouldn't surprise me if he went as well. Uh, in answer to the question, Keane Lewis-Potter's the one who I think... Yeah. He's probably most likely to move to the Prem just because he is so, so good for his age. Justin, such a good player, isn't he? Um, can play all over the park, but just has that individual spark that you know really um, ignites teams in the final third. So he'd be the obvious one, but at the same time, it wouldn't surprise me if he stayed just because you, you don't really know how serious this interest is from all the Premier League sides because he has been linked with a fair few this summer. John Sharp wants to know, do you think the success of Steve Cooper has encouraged other championship clubs to follow the same route of employing academy coaches such as Michael Beale? What do you think, Justin? Yeah, that's an interesting one. I don't think it's just academy coaches. I think Steve Cooper had a reputation with the England national side um, and as a coach. And I think a lot of boards and 
director of footballs, etc., that are switched on, they will go for these managers who they can identify using data. I think that's Ferdinand said that about Mike, Michael Beale. He said, oh, we use data to find him. It's not exactly a new thing. You should have been doing this with previous managers. You, know, you might have avoided hiring Steve McLaren and Holloway if you if you were that switched on earlier on. Um, but nonetheless, they've, they've got Michael Beale in. Neil Critchley's had success as well. Uh, he was the under 23 manager at Liverpool, obviously moved to um, to Blackpool and did well before that strange move, um, that step down <laughs> to, to Aston Villa. So I think I think it will make recruitment teams who are trying to identify a continuous style of play, I think it will make those go, actually, there, there's, there's more value, I think, in, in these areas whether that be League Two or League One. I think Rob Edwards can fly that flag as well. If he's a success at Watford, then there'd be good opportunities there for, for League One and Two managers to, to, to be employed by um, championship clubs. And then we can stop going on this merry-go-round where we continuously link Neil Warner and Mick McCarthy to jobs. But it's so fun doing it, Justin. <laughs> um, I think it is happening more often, and I'm absolutely here for it. Because there are so many young, talented English coaches who... Are at clubs, but are, you know they're just coaching, aren't they? They're not in charge of a team per se. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is happening more often. You, you look at the football league now. This summer alone, there have been so many coaches um, who have been given managerial jobs. It's quite refreshing, really, in a way that clubs are willing to give these young coaches a chance. But I think it's the way to do it. First of all, it's cheaper than you know <laughs> going out there and forking out compensation money for a manager at another club or getting in someone who's been there and done it. Um, But most importantly for me is these coaches are young and hungry. So they'll be even more determined to prove that they can be a success because who's going to put in more effort um, to to make their managerial career a Mm -hmm. success? A A coach who's just been given his first job in management or a manager who's been there and done it, who's had a couple of seasons in the Premier League and has had a 20-year managerial career now. It's obviously going to be manager A, isn't it? So I think it makes complete and utter sense. Plus, they've got new ideas. They have got experience, you know, working with players in the past. So I don't see why more clubs shouldn't do it. We saw it with Neil Critchley. I think he's the perfect example of it, that it can be a really, really great appointment if... Um, if you are a club who are on a bit more of a budget, like Blackpool, for example, you may as well go out there and take a risk than getting in the same old, same old that we that other championship clubs have had in the past. So I think it makes complete sense. I'm all here for it because, if anything, uh, there haven't been that many successful English coaches mm-hmm. over the past decade, or at least not many as there should have been, really, considering, after all, this is the English Championship. Um, let's have a break, Justin. After that, we'll talk about which players we see breaking through in the championship next season and first manager to be sacked or leave next season. Welcome back to the Second Tier Podcasts. Kyle has this question as part of our Q&A, Justin. If you had to pick a player that is going to have a breakthrough season this season, who would it be? Personally, I think this will be the season we see Ndai, Jebison and Brewster set the league alight. I wonder who Kyle supports. Justin, who are you saying? Um, I'm going to go with Tyler Berry at, um, at Millwall. 
Um, I think he's going to be in a position where he's he's going to need to step up for for Millwall mainly because they they they've obviously lost Jed Wallace, who's on the verge of completing a move elsewhere. Um, Benny Kafobe, I think he's been linked with another Championship club. I think it may have been Watford, which is interesting. So I doubt he's going to return to to Millwall, um, and they'll they'll obviously find another target. But I think that paves the paves the way for Tyler Berry to come in and and step into the team and showcase what he can do because the cameo spells I saw of him last season I was very impressed he comes across as a versatile attacker he's he's 21 so he's at the age where he needs to make an impact as well um, and hopefully he can build upon his, his two goals that he scored for Millwall last season but you know I, I, I do like the look of him um, and you know Millwall fans may, may agree or disagree but I think this is the perfect opportunity for him now to, to step up as I say because personnel isn't there and it's a really good time for for a youngster to break through into that team and he had something different as well which is which is really important for that middle front line he's got, he's, he's got a bit of pace he's, he's versatile across the front line and he's very capable with the ball at his feet as well which is which is handy it's just honing him into a goal scorer which may be difficult yeah, absolutely. I've jotted him down as well. I think he's someone who, um, as you say, considering they've lost Afobe and Wallace, they need someone like him to step up. Um, and I think he definitely can because he, he really impressed me in uh, the spells that he had last season. And he's got the physical stature to play at this level. Um, it's just about adding the goals to him, to his name now. And he's got to do it, basically, hasn't he? Otherwise, Mill won't have much of a goal-scoring threat next season. But he looked really mm-hmm. good. Um, in the spells that he had last season. Um, going back to what Cal was asking, he mentioned Ndai. I think Ndai is someone definitely to keep an eye on next season. He had so many really, really bright moments in a Sheffield United shirt last season, um, but didn't really do it on a consistent enough basis, but seemed to grow into the season, and that could give him a really good platform to be in such an important player for Sheffield United next season. Of course, losing Morgan Gibbs-White um, means that players like him have to step up. And I think he can definitely do that because um, he kind of play, he's kind of a similar player to Gibbs-White. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he doesn't add as much in terms of, you know, setting up chances kind of aspect of things. But I certainly saw enough in terms of the goal scoring and the running at players side of things. So he's a really, really exciting player. He's been talked about for quite a while now in the Sheffield United ranks as someone who is a really exciting talent. Um, And as I say, if he does it on a more consistent basis, then he will definitely be a player to keep an eye out for next season. The only other player is Michael Obafemi, but I've spoken about him at length (laughs) um, in the top scorer question earlier. Mark Whittle wants to know, first manager to be sacked or to leave next season? There's there's quite a few, really, isn't there, Justin? I mean, Lee Bowyer is the obvious shout, but whether he survives the summer is is another question, isn't Mm -hmm. it? I think uh, once the takeover gets sorted out, we'll have a clearer indication on his future. The other ones I put out there, shot at Arvaladze. I've always been a bit on the fence with him. I I think if Hall wants to have a decent crack at the playoffs next season, then they may have to get another manager in because I didn't really see much from his tactics um, or the results for that matter to indicate that he's a really, really good manager at this level. So I wouldn't be surprised if he failed to last the season, particularly because so many managers get sacked at championship level. Paul Ince is another one because, <laughs> I mean, Paul Ince, I, we've spoken quite a lot about him, haven't we, Justin, and how unconvinced we are with him, um, and particularly if Reading 
or bottom of the table after the first few months of the yeah. season, which I could definitely see happening. It wouldn't surprise me if Paul Lynch got sacked. And then Rob Edwards, just because it's Watford. Um, <laughs> they're the answers I've given. Anyone else you can think of? No, the, the Rob Edwards one is, is a really good shout just because it is Watford. You know, if they lose their first four games, five games of the season, or go winless in the first seven or eight, then I wouldn't be surprised to see Rob Edwards um, get sacked by the pot. So I think there'll be certain managers under, under pressure. I think Mike O'Neill is one of them. He has to get Stoke off to a good start. He, he absolutely has to because I think you know there are supporters that have lost faith in him and I'm not, I wouldn't be surprised if, to see that transpire into the board again if they have a poor start um, maybe Steve Morrison as well at Cardiff again a big transition there it would be surprised to see him sacked if that because of because of what they need to do this summer, there's a lot of surgery that is going on at um, at Cardiff. So it seems that will be surprised. But then again, again, if he has a similar start to Mick McCarthy, then the board would be under no um, they, they, they they would have to remove him from from the job because yeah they, they'd be on a, a fast track to relegation. But um, and they may opt for another experienced manager. So I think Steve Morrison could find himself under pressure again if they have a poor start and a similar a similar thing potentially with Nigel Pearson. But uh, I would say that um, um, I can't remember the first person I said now. It's completely gone out of my head. Rob Edwards? Not Rob Edwards. This, Michael O'Neill? That Michael O'Neill. I think Michael O'Neill is probably the most likely one to go out of everyone we've mentioned, if I'm being honest with you. Yeah, I can see what you mean. The reasoning you gave did explain that. And yeah, you're right. Stoke, Stoke fans aren't too convinced with him. A lot depends on what the expectations are for Stoke this season because I'm really not sure at the moment. It may become a bit clearer as we uh, get towards the start of the season, but a bad start and I don't think he'll have much longer in him, will he? Christofferson has given us this question asking, do you think Cov will continue to improve or eventually regress with how we're being run? You were speaking about them earlier, Justin. Um, I think a lot on this depends on who stays and who goes this summer. Victor Jokeres has been linked with moves to Middlesbrough and various other clubs as well. Callum O'Hare has been linked with a move away as well. Gustavo Hamer has been linked with a move away. So if Coventry head into next season without those three players, that will obviously not be a great start and it'll be difficult to see them improving on the season they've just had. But having said that, they've shown that they're really good at recruitment in the past. It's a um, Mark Robbins has shown that he knows how to get the best out of players too so mm-hmm. I can definitely see them improving I think a lot depends on the recruitment this summer though No you're absolutely spot on they're in a position where they're in a really good position um, you know if you look at the likes of QPR or um, or Millwall where they're, they are losing players um, and QPR lost the likes of Charlie Austin Andre Gray and I know there were loan signings same with Blackburn, they lost a lot of first teamers. Coventry City aren't in that position. They're in that they have the luxury of being able to having the option to sell those key players. Um, so if they don't want to sell them, they don't have to. But if they do, they're going to get a decent fee to be able to replace them. But they need to be able to replace them with the similar type of players that they brought in. So they need to replace Giorgares with a Giorgares, for example. Um, and that's a very difficult thing to do, especially if clubs will know that you've just received seven or eight million pounds for your forward clubs will put a surcharge on you um, and that will make it quite difficult for Coventry so as you say a lot depends on their recruitment I think I said earlier on in this episode they need three or four players to be able to compete in the top six that would mark a uh, an improvement upon last year and I, I do stand by that they are three or four players short of finishing in, the, in and around the playoffs 
Um, so that's that's really where they need, they need to do. So you're absolutely spot on with the recruitment side of things because coaching is perfect or near perfect. Um, the squad is fine to good. They just need a little bit more adding. Absolutely. Jack Young asks, and this is probably my favourite question of all the questions we've had today, Justin. Best signing of the window as of recording. There have been quite a few that have caught the eye. There are some in particular who have been in the pipeline as we speak. One's Jed Wallace to West Brom, which I think will be an unbelievable signing. Another is Scott Twine to Burnley, a player who I'm very excited about from League One. Um, but out of the ones that have been done, Justin, what are you saying? Um, I'll go with Bristol City and I'll, I'll, I, I, can, I can lean on Kane Wilson and I can lean on Cal Naismith for two reasons. Cal Naismith is 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 a brilliant signing at level because of the season he's just had at Luton and the qualities that he showed at Luton. Just some of his post-match interviews. He's an incredible leader, a really good organiser, very vocal, very composed with the ball at his feet, and he's versatile. He's going to give he's going to give Nigel Pearson options. The reason why I think Kane Wilson's up there as well is not only because he's a very productive right back. Or, or wing back, I should say. Don't don't want to do him any injustice. Um, and he's got the opportunity to prove it at this level. But he gives the opportunity for Bristol City to move personnel inward. Alex Scott played a fair chunk of games out at right wing back. Um, that gives them the opportunity to put him central um, in his best position in central midfield, which is going to get a lot more out of him. Same with Andre <laughs> Andre um, Andres Weiman not going to have to deploy him at right wing back because they've got a right wing back now, which is fantastic. Um, so he can now flourish in a more advanced position. So I, I would say Kane Wilson for those two for those two factors and obviously Cal Naismith for me. And it's yeah, quite easily put Bristol City very high up in my, in my estimations for their recruitment so far as well. My best signing of the window um, is Harry Darling to Swansea from MK Dons. A move I'm really, really excited about. First of all, of course, Russell Martin knows the player because they had that link at MK Dons uh, when Martin was there. So he knows him fully well and that's always a very good start. But 22 years old, unbelievable with the ball at his feet. He is the definition of a ball-playing centre-back. And I think when it's a 22-year-old doing that, um, that makes it all the more impressive. But the thing is, he doesn't look like a 22-year-old. He's a big strapping lad. And when <laughs> you've got the capability of playing with the ball at your feet, as well as, you know, looking like this big bruiser. Um, that always really, really gets me excited for a centre-back. But he seems like exactly what Swansea need. He's the kind of player who fits perfectly into the Swansea mould of being able to play with the ball out from his feet. And that's even more important in this Russell Martin system where that is just so basically key to your game. Um, and plus, he was one of the best defenders in League One last season. If you ask anyone who watched more of League One than you and I just did, mm -hmm. uh, he was included in the team of the season. And for a 22-year-old to be doing that, that's really, really exciting. So I think he's got plenty of potential, could easily see him playing in the Premier League at some point. And this gives him a perfect platform for him to show what he's capable of at this level, particularly in the Swansea side, where you know he's going to be playing pretty much every game next season. So yeah, this is the signing that's really, really caught my eye and I think it's a big statement move from the Swans. Uh, let's go to this one from Liam H. Justin. He asks, if you could eat one food for the rest of your life, what would it be and why? That's a very good question. I hate these ones because I give them too much thought and we end up having a little bit of a debate and it just stresses me out a little bit. I think pizza is got... vegan. Yeah, that doesn't help. Pizza is great, but vegan pizza is shit. Um, what is vegan <laughs> pizza? 
it's just your normal dough, but the the cheese is like a it's like a waxy cheese, like it sticks to the roof oh. of your mouth, um, and it doesn't it's not it doesn't quite have the impact as a mozzarella would. When um, you eat a vegan pizza, do you ever think to yourself, "God, I wish I wasn't vegan anymore"? Not really. No. It's, well, no. If I'm with if I if I'd be with you and a couple of mates, for example, and you're eating all your good good pizzas, there'll be a little bit of jealousy. But uh, you know, it's, it's the life I chose, etc. Um, but yeah, pizza would be the one. But if I was to be really practical, I don't know, jacket potatoes. You can do anything with a jacket potato. You can have anything in a jacket potato. Mm, yeah, I, I get pizza. Simple as that. Because yeah. I can happily live with pizza for the rest of my life. Um, I don't know if they're talking about the nutritious side of things because obviously pizza doesn't have many nutrients. I'm guessing if you're doing that, then banana because that be, has plenty of vitamins in it doesn't it you could put anything on a pizza can't you are you allowed you to put nutri- other stuff on well, the question is not very clear liam come on now um <laughs> mackenzie wilson asks us and this is the final question justin you'll be glad to know have you ever tried an oat cake uh, i'm sure we've had this question before i haven't is it a biscuit is it a cake does it is it that jaffa cake sort of bermuda triangle where it's not neither a cake or a biscuit. No one knows what it is. Everyone argues. What is an oat cake? Please indulge us. I've never had one. I think it's uh, it, people from Stoke are very passionate about their oat cakes, aren't they? Mm. But I've I've never indulged. If uh, anyone from Stoke wishes to send us an oat cake, then a good old fashioned <laughs> oat cake, then feel free to. Uh, shall we finish off with Diddy or Dinty, Justin? This is the game where I'm going to give Justin 10 players with various connections to the championship and a club. All he's got to do is tell me whether they played for that club or not. He's got to have made a senior appearance for them. Justin, it's a Premier League special today. By that, I mean players who made most of their career appearances in the Prem, but will have played in the championship at some point. So, Justin, your first player is this. Uh, Wayne Bridge and Reading, did he or didn't he? <laughs> um, I know he played for Brighton. I'm going to say no. Or oh, I don't, yeah, I'm going to say no. That's a difficult one. He, 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 comes, he comes across as someone who has played for Reading. I don't know why. You sure? Yeah, yeah I'm going to say no. 12 appearances after moving there in 2013. Wayne Bridge there. So that's zero out of one for Justin Peach so far. His face tells a story. I'm very disappointed that the listeners can't see his disappointed <laughs> face right now. Next one is Gabby Lahore and Watford. Did he or didn't he? Yeah, he did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No. Oh, no, 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 no. He went to Sheffield Wednesday, not Watford. It was Andreas Feynman who went to Watford. So I'm going to say no. Oh, Two appearances on loan in yeah, 2005. <laughs> <laughs> I even sighed then but you didn't seem to notice um, so great start for Justin Peach here 0 out of 2 for him next one is Kevin Davis and Blackpool did he or didn't he no no he's been at every Northwest club other than Blackpool you're absolutely right he has been for he has played for basically <laughs> every Northwest club apart from Blackpool um, so you're correct there you've got one out of three so far Justin next up is Michael Carrick and Birmingham did he or didn't he I feel like he would have had a loan spell there but I can't recall it is West Ham Spurs uh, obviously United uh, I'm going to say no not not Birmingham sure yeah 
two appearances on loan in 2000. So one out of four for Justin Peach so far. This is going spectacularly wrong. Next up is, have you said no for every single one so far? I think so. I'm absolutely <laughs> spent. I'm tired. I, I'm, I'm at my cusp right now. <laughs> Next up is Kasper Schmeichel and Norwich. Did he or didn't he? No, he didn't play for Norwich. Again, he's had a low spell everywhere, but not Norwich. You sure? Yes. He didn't. You're absolutely correct. He did have a lot of loan spells. Um, next up is Lee Bowyer and Ipswich. Did he or didn't he? <laughs> I don't want to say no again, but I know Jimmy Bullard had a spell. So if we're talking about journeyman midfielders who've had a short spell at Ipswich, Lee Bowyer fits that category. But for this one, I'm going to say no. I don't think he did. Final answer? No, I'm going to say yes. I think he may have had a spell in 2013. He made 29 appearances in one season after joining in 2011. So you're absolutely correct. Um, changed his mind at the last minute there. <laughs> um, what have you got? I think you've got three out of six so far. So next up is Gary Cahill and Sheffield United. Did he or didn't he? These are really difficult ones. I'm gonna say he, I'm gonna say he's had a loan spell there back in sort of oh six oh seven. So you're at the stage now, aren't you, where you're purely guessing? Mm-hmm. Yeah, hundred percent. Uh, this this is how always how this game works. I throw in a couple of obscure ones just to make Justin Peach question himself and uh, uh, really <laughs> g, g himself up. Um, Gary Cahill made 16 appearances on loan for Sheffield United in 2007. So you're spot on, Justin. Four out of seven. He's having a comeback, ladies and gentlemen. Um, next up is Ben Foster and Coventry. Did he or didn't he? He lives that way. But he's played for Birmingham and West Brom, so that's not surprising, really. Um, I'm going to say no. I can't recall. He was at Stoke. I know he came through at Stoke, but I can't recall him ever playing for Coventry but but they had a really good relationship with Manchester United they're like Luke Steele and what have you their players come through United quite often but I'm going to say no on this one you're correct he's from that way but didn't play for them so five out of eight Justin Peach on a bit of a streak here next up is Ashley Young and Crystal Palace did he or didn't he no straight out there no straight out there no you're correct. Why were you so confident? I think he only played for three clubs. Four clubs. Not one of them comes to my mind, it being Palace, and he's definitely not had a loan spell anywhere. Interesting. Uh, five out of nine. Final one, Justin. Glenn Johnson and Millwall. Did he or didn't he? I have a feeling he had a loan spell at Millwall. Uh, yeah, like early 2000s. You sure? But he was at West Ham. But he was at West Ham. Or maybe he came through. I don't do they loan players to West Ham? Is that frowned upon in the East End of London? I'm going to say yes. He made eight appearances on loan in 2002, and it was from West Ham, bizarrely. Um, mm. But there you go, Justin, six out of ten. You had a disastrous start, but managed to recover right at the end. You must be absolutely buzzing. I am. I used logic in the end, and it got me through. Now I just want to go back to bed. 
you are more than welcome to go back to bed just in peach uh, but this has been the second tier pod ladies and gentlemen uh, we'll be back again on sunday for the news roundup of everything that's happened over the past few days so many transfers have happened over the past few days so we'll go through all of them uh talk about some of the news from the past few days as well and of course it's fixture release day today we're recording this before the fixtures have come out but we might have a chat about that well i don't really know what there is to say about fixture release day really justin there are games happening that's good Thanks, That's fun. Thanks for your input here. Please just go to bed. I've had enough of you already. This has been the Second Tier Podcast. We'll be back again on Sunday. I've been Ryan Dilks. I've been Justin Peach. Thank you for listening. Mm-hmm.